This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, uh, welcome to Behind the Micah podcast. I'm so glad to have you guys back with us for another episode. This is episode six, and uh, we got a very special guest with us, as we always do. This one is a very special guest. Uh, This is a guy who I grew up listening to preach, and in my opinion, this guy is one of the spiritual giants. Um, Just love to listen to him, grew up listening to him at revivals and events, and uh, and just had the privilege to know him and his family um, for a long time. And uh, we are blessed to have Kerry uh, Allen with us. Uh, he is the president of, of Louisville Bible College. And Kerry, uh, it's good to have you on here today. Well, thank you, Mike. It's good to be with you. And buddy, just let me say, uh, I'm thrilled to uh, have seen you uh, grow and mature as you have to not only just be one of the uh, people in the congregation that uh, I might be at or the event, but to see you become actually a leader and particularly uh, a preacher, evangelist, uh, servant, minister in the church of uh, of our Lord. It's exciting to me, and I'm honored to be with you. Wow. Thanks so much. Like I said, uh, appreciate having you on here. And um, so, so you just recently uh, became the president of Louisville Bible College uh, within the last year or so. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my mind over the, with all this pandemic and 2020 and, and all that. But, but uh, recently, you have become the president of Louisville Bible College. Uh, formerly, you were uh, the director of uh, person-to-person ministries out in Hillsboro, and you did that for years, um, which uh, I'm really looking forward to Hillsboro this year. It's going to be, I think, a, a great thing. Hopefully, everything goes as planned. But, uh, but tell me a little bit about uh, your transition into Louisville Bible College and uh, how that's going down there. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Uh, just uh, FYI here, officially, I was uh, appointed the president of LBC yeah. on January 16th of 2020. Okay. And uh, uh, so I have completed one year, but as everyone else and every, uh, uh, every experience in life right now has to say, well, it's been a different year uh, yeah. uh, for me. And uh, um, the, the COVID, the pandemic, uh, we've faced some challenges from that where we've had times that we've had to go strictly online, just totally online. Uh, yeah. But right now we're back in a phase where we're able to offer online classes. We're able to offer uh, in-person classes, and then we do a hybrid where uh, we'll, we, we offer some classes that you can either take it in person or simultaneously we offer it online. And so, uh, so it's, it's a good time. God's really blessed. This, uh, this second semester, we've seen even new students come from uh, over the first semester, and, and uh, we, we're having people stay on campus now. We've had times we weren't able to have people on campus uh, stay in it. So it's a really good time. It's a great time. And uh, just a great thrill for me, uh, LBC, her mission is to educate preachers and other Christian leaders for Christ Church. Yeah. And so I'm thrilled to get to be a part of it. Well, that's awesome. I know uh, Louisville Bible College, 
Um, I can remember even when I was considering going to college, LBC was a place I definitely considered. Um, and uh, man, it's, it's just, uh, it's awesome that they were able to reach out and uh, through it all, you're the guy, man. And um, I believe in you. And I think, I think you're going to do great things down there and already are. So um, you have a little bit of experience in that um, because you were at uh, Bluefield uh, for a while. And what was it, was it similar, something kind of similar to what you're doing now? Yeah, uh, I was nine years at Bluefield College of Evangelism and uh, got a service president there for seven of those years. And, and uh, the, it's similar in the fact that the mission uh, is the same. Our facilities and location, Bluefield is down southernmost point in West Virginia, yeah. Louisville Bible College, more metropolitan, of course. Yeah. And, and so we have uh, differences that way. And the history of LBC is different than than, than BCE, yeah. in that LBC started in 1948 and Bluefield started in uh, 1971. Wow. And, and, uh, and so uh, the, the mission of LBC has always been the same, but they have basically been a commuter school and just have a few resident students. Yeah. And Bluefield was more resident uh, uh, college and, and focus on people coming in to go to college. And Louisville has been uh, a niche school where people who were working and had families and all that, you could come to LBC, take classes, continue on in your, your normal work, but also bivocationally serve the Lord. Gotcha. Okay. And so you, you said you did that for nine years at, at Bluefield. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Some great people that I know and I've been blessed to know have come from that school. Great preachers have come out of there and uh, just some, some great things have happened down there. So you, how long have you been doing, because I know you didn't just, you haven't just become the president of, of, of Bible colleges, but, but you've also preached. And how long have, would you say, how many years have you been in ministry? Well, let me, let me just uh, have a little fun here with myself, I hope, with you. I actually preached my first sermon when I was uh, 13 years old. Wow. And, uh, and I, I, I don't care. So right now I'm 66. And yeah. if, the Lord, uh, if the Lord allows me to live until uh, late May, uh, I'll be 67. So however long that awesome. is, 13 to 66, what, 53 years, I guess, wow. that, uh, that I've actually <laughs> attempted to, to preach. You'll have to bear with me. I've got a cough here. And, and uh, when I talk, it seems to get uh, a little aggravated. No but, problem. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I was actually ordained to ministry in 1974. And so from 1974 through now, all I've ever done in my adult life is be engaged in vocational uh, ministry. And like That's you said, uh, 15 years of that, I was in located ministry, like you are working with a congregation. Sure. Nine years, I was at Bluefield College of Evangelism. 22 years, I was in Hillsborough with person to person. And now I've completed one year at Louisville. Wow. What a resume. That's awesome. That's incredible. Uh, guys like me look at that and go, that is amazing. Um, that is something, something that we look up to. Uh, but so... I'm located in Odin, Indiana, uh, preach here in, at the Christian church here in Odin. You grew up not far from here, uh, like maybe 45 minutes east of me in Bedford, India, Lawrence yeah. County. Is yeah. that correct? That's home, man. Yeah. That will always be home. Now, I've not lived there for 45 years, yeah. <laughs> or 40 years, I guess, but, uh, but uh, that will always be home. Yeah. When's the last time you were in Bedford? 
I actually uh, was there just, uh, I think it was November. I have a sister who still lives uh, in Bedford. And, uh, and of course now being located uh, where I am, even though I work at Louisville, I live across the river on the Indiana side. Yeah. And I can get to Bedford about an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. And so so right. it's, 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 it's a great location that way. Yeah. But, uh, don't, don't get back too often, but I do go back occasionally. Wow. Yeah. And, and I knew, uh, I knew that a little bit. That's Damon Bailey country, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. He's Who's still one of my heroes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear always, always be a hero. <laughs> home, home church, uh, Hillcrest. Correct. Yeah. Now I actually was immersed into Christ at the Mount Pleasant Christian church. Okay. And, and then, uh, we lived out in the county, and then Hillcrest was an actual plant of uh, uh, an area men's fellowship. I don't know if you're familiar with the Limestone Crusaders, okay. but they, uh, the Crusaders uh, really worked together, all the churches in Orange County, Lawrence County, and uh, around, worked together to plant the Hillcrest Church. Yeah. My mom was very musically inclined, and they asked her if she would go to play the piano and be part of the church plant that they wanted to establish. And yeah. so that's how I got uh, with Hillcrest. So technically I'm a charter member of the Hillcrest church and gotcha. I believe I'm the first Timothy uh, wow. that, that, that came out of Hillcrest. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and they're still doing great work over at Hillcrest. Oh, wow. Blessed to be able to know Mark and and uh, just to be able. Mark tells me all kinds of good things come from there. But I always, whenever Mark talks about Hillcrest, instantly I think of Kerry Allen because I know that's <laughs> that's his stomping grounds. You know, so yeah, that's, awesome. That's it. Awesome. That's great. Well, hey, Kerry, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about a topic that I think is very controversial. Uh, one of the topics that is talked about throughout the church um, a lot. And it's the topic of once saved, always saved. Um, so, and this, and this idea is that once you become a Christian, you can't lose your salvation uh, because the Father has elected and the Son has redeemed and the Holy Spirit has applied grace. And, you know, uh, those who are saved are uh, essentially eternally secure. Uh, once saved, once you're saved, you're, you're always saved. Let me ask you this question to kind of just get into this topic. What happens? Uh, and, and, and we had a talk in our last episode, we talked to, talked about baptism and that kind of stuff. So I'm not necessarily looking for that, but what happens, uh, when a person is saved? Well, I, I believe that's part of the whole issue of, uh, when you said it's controversial. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I really do believe that defining what we mean by saved uh, is uh, a large part of the controversy. And uh, from, from my uh, understanding of salvation and how I, how I believe it applies to us individually, yeah. I believe that uh, salvation is past, present, and future that Christ died to save us from our sins. And when we were, uh, came to faith in Christ and obedience uh, to the gospel, that we were saved in the sense that our sins were forgiven. Yeah. And that uh, what we had done 
previous in our lives that 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 was covered right and uh, the 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 debt had been paid now we so we were saved right by the by the death of christ and and our our faith and response to uh to him is we were saved but then we are being saved and that uh, in this present uh life we still uh, have the capacity to sin and we do sin right and through the blood of Christ and our faith in him, we are being saved. But I believe there's an element of salvation is that when we are saved, then will be that time when Hebrews talks about it like this, that there is a time in which Christ is coming not to bear sin, but to bring salvation and our ultimate salvation, salvation, when we talk about truly completely saved is when we're glorified and we are transformed. This mortal puts aside its its mortality, is swallowed up by immortality, taken up in glory, and we are glorified for eternity that is saved yeah and 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 so if you let me jump ahead here sure on something then i can say with no reservation at that future salvation which is glorification man we are once saved always saved okay but right now we're in this process of being saved. Okay. I, I think that's, yeah. So, so uh, okay. A lot of times uh, people who are once saved, always, or teach the once saved, always saved uh, doctrine, I guess you would call it. Um, they say that a person can't fall away um, because they're covered in that, that grace, which is, which is true. Um, but, they will say that if a person does turn or a person does fall away, the question is then, were they saved in the first place? Um, can a person judge whether or not a person is, is saved uh, based on whether they fall away or not? Yeah. Um, let, let me say this. Uh, it's probably not uh, for you or me to uh, make that particular judgment. But I believe the scripture has spoken to that uh, and, and that the scriptural uh, record would indicate that there are those who were saved, were in a positive relationship with Christ, who, uh, whose status did change. And, uh, and, and maybe if we just uh, think about a couple of those uh, uh, of those scriptures, maybe it would help us rather than me just making a general statement sure, uh, sure. That, uh, that, that I believe it's, it, it's possible. First of all, let me, uh, let me think, let's just go over here to 1 Timothy. Okay. Uh, 
First uh, Timothy and chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. And uh, I'm going to use the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And uh, Micah, just a personal thing with me, when I first study Bible, I like the uh, 1995 NASB. Gotcha. And, uh, and so this kind of a study uh, thing, so that's why I'm using uh, New American. Okay. But if you, if, you, if you go down here, uh, uh, let's just get it in this context. Verse 18 of 1 Timothy 1. He says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. They had it. But now they have shipwrecked their faith. They've rejected their faith and they've suffered shipwreck. And wow, if we could step back into the quarters of time and if we could read this in the language that Paul actually wrote Timothy, that, that, that word picture of the shipwreck, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible scene. And yeah. he said, that's what's happened to some people regarding their faith, that they have made a shipwreck of it. And he told Timothy, you keep it. You Assen keep it. Essentially, can, can, can I just show you one more? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Sure. All right, chapter 15. Man, why not? Chapter 1. <laughs> You're, right. You're not going to find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting verse 1. Yes. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, these people believed, they had accepted it, they are in salvation. And all of this is for them if, if you hold fast the word I preached unto you. So we find conditional salvation is a reality. And I probably should have put that one first and then gone to the Timothy passage right. and show that some had rejected it. Now, some reject it because they don't believe. Yeah. And that's what we talked about here. The condition in 1 Corinthians 15 is if you, if you hold fast the word, if you continue in your faith, right. some shipwreck their faith. But then some give up the faith in Christ, I mean, the faith, the Christian faith right. for some other religion. And it says they've fallen from grace. You go to first, you go to Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. And there were 
people who had come into the churches in Galatia, and they were trying to call uh, Christian people back to the laws of, of Judaism. And here's what Paul wrote to, uh, uh, wrote to those people. He said uh, in verse 2, he said, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And that is, you know, your relationship with God is based on circumcision. Right. And, and, and he said, then, if you're going to trust circumcision to your, your relationship with God, then you have abandoned Christ. Yeah. So Christ will be of no benefit. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision. He's under obligation then to keep the whole law. Yeah. You're, you're wanting to live under the conditions of the Abrahamic comic, uh, covenant, Mosaic covenant. Right. And, and, uh, and, and so you got to keep all that. Mm. It's not Christianity that you live under. You're accepting a different religious system. Yes. So he said, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And a lot of people don't, uh, and, and I've heard a lot of people say from that passage, um, don't like the term fallen from grace, whether or not you like it or not. That's, that's the words that Paul used. Um, that, that we can fall from grace, we can fall away, we can, yeah. um, a lot yeah. of times we'll read, and, and, and this gets into the whole, uh, because, because once saved, always saved is a, is a teaching from Calvinism. Uh, John Calvin was a guy who uh, kind of used this as part of the, the tulip principle, as you, as you, as you know, and um, a lot of people will say, well, you can't be, you have to be one or the other, right? You're either an Arminian or you're a Calvinist. There's, there's no other option, right? It's you're either one or the other, you're works-based or you're not. And um, they'll, a lot of times they'll use this Calvinistic, they'll go to, I've heard people tell me, hey, read Romans over and over, read, read the first 10 chapters of Romans over and over and over again. And you'll finally start to see the once saved, always saved through the book of Romans. Does Romans teach once saved, always saved? I mean, does we, we've been quoting, you know, you, you took us to first Corinthians and we went through uh, first Timothy and we went through Galatians. Does Romans teach something completely different from those other books that Paul wrote? Not at all. Not at all. Now uh, the book of Romans is, is just, fantastic yeah and, and and i think we we need to step back in our minds in history when we study romans and let's remember that, that christianity was a, a totally different religious system than any anything anybody else had ever known because christianity is not based upon what you do for god christianity is based upon what god did for you right and and, and uh, many Bible scholars have said that the foundational, the propositional statement of the book of Romans is verse 16 of chapter one, yeah. for I am not ashamed of the gospel of yeah. Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes Jew first and also to the Greek. And, and, and so, uh, so uh, these people are not familiar that uh, with a religious system, whether they were pagans or whether they were Jews, whatever, the religious system of Christianity is just mind-blowing. And, and uh, 
And, and so those first, particularly eight chapters, just, just talked about this saving faith and how that God has actually paid the penalty for our sins. And, and the, the theological term for that now is we are justified. Yeah. That we are justified. And uh, th that's a legal term. It's an economic term. And, and it, it's a term. Uh, the one thing, just let me get off course here for a minute. Sure. The one thing I'd say is, you know how so many times we say to be justified is to be just as if I'd never sinned. Yeah. Well, I love the poetic rhythm of that. And I love the imagery that that actually brings out. But that's really not the, 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 the real meaning of the Bible word. It's not just as if I've never ever never sinned. Yeah. What is we have sinned and we have offended God to the point our lives were lost. Yeah. But he paid the price, took that punishment upon himself, and we are declared just. Yeah before God. Well, man, Paul wrote on that and wrote on that. And, and, and the, the overarching term for what God did in justifying us from our sins yeah. is grace. And, and I love how in the next to the last verse of chapter five, he, he says, man, where sin abounded, grace did much more about. And, yeah. and, and that Grace did much more abound. The, yes, the, the, the original word there is a word from which we get our word hyper. It was hyper abounding grace. And you don't have the kid that's hyper. You know, you can't control the kid that's hyper. And adults are yeah. hyper, have hyperactivity. <laughs> we just can't control ourselves. You know, I got three and, of them. And, and, <laughs> and he said, it doesn't matter how much sin you, did, you have in your life and how high it's piled up, how deep it goes. God has more grace than that. Yeah. And so the logical mind would say, well, what are we to say then? Should we continue in sin that we could get more yeah. of God's grace? He said, may it never be. How yeah. shall we who died to sin still live in it any longer? And he goes on and he talks about our being baptized into Christ and that we were baptized into his death and we were right. buried and we were raised up. And now we walk with him. And then he, he gets over there and he, he talks about the struggle that we still have there in chapter seven, that the, 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 the there's these two natures and they fight within me and the good I would do. I don't, the evil yeah. I wouldn't do. I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? And he says, wow. Therefore, if in Christ, wow, there is no condemnation to yeah. them who are in Christ. Christ Jesus, yeah. who walk not after the flesh, yeah. but after the spirit. And, and, and then he reaches the crescendo of it all. That this, and, and it started back in chapter five again, where we talked about the, the, the love of Christ and, and all therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through yes. our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we've received access into this grace wherein we now stand. And, and that God poured out his love on us. Woo, you know, yeah. it, it, and then he comes back to that there at the end in the great crescendo. Who shall separate us yeah. from the love of Christ? You know, and he lists all those things. And 
nakedness or famine, peril, persecution, sword, you know, yeah. height, death, powers, principality, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Right. And, and some people then have taken that particular scripture as a declaration that, man, we could never be lost. You got to keep in mind what he wrote back there at the start of the chapter. And there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You see how this is conditional? Yeah. And, and, and then, but he wants to remind them though, we don't have to worry about God changing the condition. We don't have to worry about God changing the standards and not doing what he's promised to do for us yeah. because yeah. there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from God's love. He's yeah. perfect. What he says he will do, who he is will never change. And this love that was shed in our hearts, poured out through his spirit, he's not going to take that love away from us. It's ours forever. But there's no condemnation to them who walk not after the flesh, yeah. but after the spirit. And, and, and if you, you know, you mentioned they, they maybe go to chapter 10, they, they need to go to chapter 11 in Romans. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Paul talks about uh, the promise that he, he made to the Jews and, and uh, uh, let me see. Uh, he, he talked about how that, uh, how that the Jews were actually, that the Gentiles were not to be proud and arrogantly proud in their relationship with God because God had actually, uh, had actually accepted the Jews once and then lo and behold, they wouldn't believe in the Messiah he promised. And so God cut them off. He cut them off. And he said, don't you be arrogant then. Those of you who are, are Gentiles who have accepted Christ, don't you be arrogant. Because if God cut off the natural brain, would he not cut off that which was grafted in if you don't continue in faith? And, and these people who are already Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So, so essentially you could be cut off from the tree. Essentially is when yeah. the branch is cut off from the tree. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of, uh, what we're not saying is, is that, um, we're not saying that a person uh, has to look over their shoulder every time they sin. We're not, we're not saying that falling away is, is a sin because, uh, of course, we're human. Um, even after we become Christians, we, we still sin. We still, we still fall short. Um, 
it's kind of like the old hymn, right? The blessed assurance, right? And we can have that assurance and know that, that uh, even when we mess up, I guess, I guess maybe the difference there is, is, is the, the occasional screw up versus living in that sin or living in that lifestyle. Correct. Yeah, you're, you're right. And just as uh, some people would uh, teach once saved, always saved, man, we need to make sure that we're not giving an attitude that once sin, uh, always lost, you know, yeah. uh, there, there has to be an assurance to salvation. There has to be a confidence in the person and the work of Christ. And so I believe that one thing that we, 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 we see, Jesus said in, in the gospel of John, chapter 8 and and verse 31, he said, we have to abide in his word. We have to abide in his word. And and, uh, that's really key because you've heard me say it several times here that comes down to faith and and faith and that we have to believe in the person and the work of Jesus and and, uh, uh, who he is and what he did. And where does faith come from? Well, faith comes by hearing yeah. and hearing by the word of Christ. Yes. And there in, in John 8, uh, 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing. Our faith in the person and the work of Christ is built up, it grows, we mature, we develop into Christ-likeness as we stay connected to the Word. We stay connected to the Word. And then Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is just totally filled with exhortations to stay connected to Christ, to continue in Christianity. And and I know we don't have time, and this is not a study in Hebrews, but the the whole background of the book of Hebrews is that these are Christian people who were of Jewish descent that, man, they were facing intense persecution because they believed in Christ. Yeah. And some of them were actually being tempted to go back into their Jewish religion. And so the book of Hebrews was written to exhort to encourage and teach Christians, don't give up your faith in Christ. And a, a key phrase that is used in the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus yeah. is better. And, and so he's, he, the Hebrew writer, whomever that was, uh, set out all these things of the Jewish religion, Jewish system, and Jesus is better than this. Jesus is better than this. Jesus is better. Don't give in. Don't give up. Jesus is better. That's, that's the essence in, in, in a uh, simplistic fashion of the book of Hebrews. Right. But what, what we find is there, he calls for these people to not be like those who were giving up faith in Christ to go back to Judaism, and he ties it in with unbelief. Let, let's go back here, if we can, if we can uh, uh, find this in chapter 3. Yeah. He says, uh, he says, verse 7, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, that's in contrast to Jews and 
in, in previous times. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They do not know my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, therefore, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Wow. That unbelief. Yeah. They gave up their belief in Christ to go back to Judaism. Right. And he says, that's evil. Yeah. And that's to fall away from the living God. And go ahead. No, that's all right. No. So I'm saying too much. No, no, you're good. It's, it's awesome. Um, I'm just kind of, uh, kind of uh, basking in it for just a moment. Um, there's a lot of language that's used, uh, a lot of parental language, uh, like as a father and a, and a, and a child. Um, we would say when we become a Christian, maybe we, we become a child of God. Um, and some will say, well, and this is, and a lot, there's a lot of these like made up scenarios, which, you know, what if, you know, and you've heard them before, but some will say, well, once a child of God, you're always a child of God. And they will ask the question, would you send your child to hell? How would you respond to that? First of all, I, uh, I truly do respect uh, where people who uh, understand this doctrine differently than I do. Sure. I really do uh, respect them. And I, and I, tr I appreciate the emphasis they want to put on relationship and assurance and hope. Uh, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate that and respect them for that. And so one of these uh, uh, tenets that they, the doctrine rests on is that of the relationship uh, of God or Father. And that we have been born of God. Well, any biological child that I maybe uh, had uh, will always be my child. But I can set up the rules of inheritance. Yes. As the father. As the father. Now that person will always be my child, but that doesn't guarantee the right of inheritance. I got and so we are born of God, but that doesn't guarantee inheritance unless we abide by the terms of the covenant. So, and that's good. I like that. I, I, I know people who 
And, and, and I know different people twist things different ways and how they, you know, how they interpret it or, or they'll pick up a commentary and they'll read, you know, this guy said this and, and maybe it's, maybe it's good stuff. But I think at the end of the day, sometimes the purest way to do things is just to pick up the Bible and read it for what it is. Right. And, and maybe not necessarily, and I'm not saying commentaries are wrong. I got, I got hundreds of them here. Um, but sometimes the most simple way is just to read it for yourself, read it for what it says. And um, I, I've talked to people before who I will quote uh, like revelation chapter two, where it tells us to be faithful to death and they'll give us a crown of life. Um, I've heard some say, well, that doesn't necessarily, that, that crown of life isn't necessarily heaven, right? That, that crown of life is just your reward, like an extra jewel in your crown mm-hmm. in heaven. Um, I, I know I'm throwing a lot of different scriptures and different scenarios mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff at you, but how would you, how would you respond to that? Well, I, I think uh, if you look at that uh, in its original, uh, originally, the crown is life. And uh, I will give you the crown of life. And that that's what the victor's crown is, is that, uh, that life uh, that God, only God gives because he is life. Yeah. So it's the whole picture, not just, not just a little bit of it. Right. Or an extra right. whatever on it, jewel yeah. on it or whatever. And just, just, just read it uh, real slowly. I will give you the crown of life. A couple more questions. One of them is, if I'm always saved, why do church, why do anything? Why, why continue to serve? If, 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 I, if I am saved and I'm always saved, or once in grace, always in grace, I've heard saved by grace, kept by grace, whatever you want to call it, perseverance of the saints. Um, why, why continue to do um, anything? Why, why, do I need, why would I need to continue in my faith if I was already saved, regardless of what happens? Yeah, I, I think that's a real good question that, that uh, needs to be answered by those who believe it. But I, I can uh, point out some things. We, uh, people like you and me who don't uh, necessarily subscribe to this uh, doctrine, we use terms synonymously that those who believe these doctrines, a person who believes once saved, always saved, doesn't necessarily totally mean the same thing as a person who believes in the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or a person who believes in the doctrine of eternal security. Right. And the person who truly believes once saved, always saved, then there is no reason for anyone to do those things that you talked about uh, and used as illustrations, you know, because once you're saved, you're always saved. And, uh, uh, but a person who believes in, in eternal security, they, uh, they, they believe that their salvation is dependent on Christ's faithfulness and Christ's work, that it was Jesus who, who, who redeemed them, and it is not their goodness 
not what they do that, right. that, that keeps their salvation. And so a person then finds their security in Christ and they do what they do as we talk about faithfulness in our language, they do that so that they can maintain their security in Christ. And they, they're, they're saying the emphasis is that we are not saved by our goodness. We yeah. are saved by Christ's goodness right. and that we must stay connected to Christ. Okay. And, and you do that through anyway. Okay. But then the person who believes in the perseverance of the saints, right. they believe then that we are totally depraved. And that means every part of our being totally depraved mind, body, spirit, that we're, we are totally depraved beings. We can't do anything of ourselves in ourselves because what God has ordained. And therefore the perseverance of the saints is we will do what God wants done because he is the only thing, the only one that can actually work in us, through us, with us, because we're totally depraved. I see. Okay. Well, okay. So last question. I know we've thrown a lot of stuff out there and we could probably go on and on and on about this topic, but my, my question to you then is, does all this really matter? If you are a, uh, if you're a Christian, uh, you're a follower of Christ, um, you've entered a relationship with him the right way, done all that, you know, you, you're, you're a faithful servant. Does it really matter what you believe on once saved, always saved? Is it a, I guess maybe my question is, is it a heaven or hell issue? Does it need to be addressed? Or is it just one of those things that, hey, when we get to heaven one day, we'll, we'll find out really what the answer was? I personally believe that it really makes a huge difference. And the reason that I believe that is <clears throat> that Jesus said the greatest commandment that was ever given was the commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And of course, the second one, love our neighbor as ourselves. If you love me, you'll keep my words. You will keep my words. And uh, this word teaches faithfulness. You, you know, when Jesus was, was talking, it was recorded that, that he said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. I want you to think about that. He didn't say, he that is saved shall endure to the end. So he did not teach perseverance of the saints. Yeah. He said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. And the keeping of his commandments, the keeping of his word, This is a salvation matter. And so I believe that it is quite important 
that we understand the doctrine of faithfulness. Yeah. And so I, that's the that's the, the way I'd like to leave it is that hey we're, we're, we're not talking about once saved always saved perseverance of the saints sure. let's use bible words yeah. for bible doctrines and uh, and he that endures to the end shall be saved they continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers be faithful unto death and i'll give you the crown of life that's incredible perfect i can't even i can't end it better man that was a good ending it's a good way to end it um carrie i thank you so much for giving me the time today to just uh discuss this i think an important topic um appreciate you giving me you know 45 50 minutes of your time just to hop on here i know you're busy and you got a lot of stuff going on but uh man thank you so much for jumping on here and uh look forward to uh talking with you in the future thanks a lot mike god bless you and you too thank you this has been a behind the mic podcast thanks for tuning in make sure you check us out next week and remember we're always striving to love god love others and serve both